0: Created live on fireside. Did I do it? Did we do it? (laughs) Welcome, guys. Welcome to another show of YNS Live. I'm so excited to have my guest, Liza Huber, who is the founder of Sage Spoonfuls. Now, if you guys have heard before, she was on um, my 105 episode. So, like if you want to go and listen to Liza's whole story, how she founded Sage Spoonfuls, you're gonna go over to I am Juliet Hahn or any of your podcast players, and you can listen to her, her whole story. But I'm really excited for you guys to be here to um, just hear what is going through now. Because when we ended the show, Liza, I want you to welcome, by the way.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. It's so good to talk to you, Juliet.
0: Yes, My I love My very it. I love first it.
1: fireside. Thank you so much for your patience and explaining everything to me. This is new territory for me, for sure.
0: I get it. No, I totally get it. And no worries. So one of the things that I wanted to say, it was when we ended our show for your next stop, just to kind of set people up, you had just landed Pottery Barn. Right. So we're going to have you kind of share and you can give people a little bit of background if you want, you know, and, um, because there's people listening right now. I don't know that my YouTube live is working, which is a bummer. We're trying to figure that out still, which is fun, but I believe I'm LinkedIn live and I believe I'm Twitch live. Actually Twitch, I am Twitch live, which is so funny to me because I don't really know Twitch. Um, but we are live on those and then people can also listen in on Twitter, Facebook and um, again, if they if we're there if we're not live on LinkedIn, um, and I just want to say hi to Gina and then I know other people are coming in because there's other shows ending, and so I would love for you to kind of just give us a little insight. You know, let us know um, a little bit of background. You don't have to go into the whole story because again, if people are interested, they can jump over and listen to your whole episode. But I just am dying to know where you are right now um, after landing Pottery Barn.
1: Yeah. So, um, so super quick. I'm the CEO and founder of Sage Spoonfuls. We have a really robust product line um, that's mealtime stuff for kids, for babies, kids, and families. And we, um, we've been around for many years and we've always been a top seller in the category, which is great. And we're available at all the major stores. Um, and yeah, um, we had just landed Pottery Barn Kids uh, when Juliet and I spoke. And Just about that time was also when the supply chain crisis started to really hit very hard. And that is kind Uh of where we are right now, just knee deep in dealing with something that the general public is really only just starting to feel now. And really any product-based company, small, medium, large, no matter what the category, no matter what you sell, you've, you've been feeling it, we've been feeling it. For six months already. And it's only just now starting to get media attention, starting to really get into everyone's kind of general focus because the holidays are coming up, the stores are bare, and it's because of the supply chain issues. So that is my whole world right now is dealing with supply chain crisis issues every day.
0: Right. Okay. So can you take us through a little bit? Because I know that there was a couple of times where I like saw some of your stories and I was like, yay. And you're like, it's yay, but it's not what
1: I'm waiting I'm like, for. No, I'm like, no, no, you're misunderstanding. <laughs> <laughs> it's not yay.
0: <laughs> right. You're like, it's not yay. It's not yay. Um, so can you tell us when you landed Pottery Barn, like what that means, what you're getting in the stores? Um, just so like my listeners that literally are like, I have no idea, you know, like I, what are they talking about? Yeah. Just let us know a little bit there.
1: So it's Pottery Barn Kids, which is so appropriate for Sage Spoonfuls being a mealtime product line for babies and kids. Um, We we are right now available on PotteryBarnKids.com because when COVID hit, of course, we rolled right from COVID into supply chain issues. But when COVID hit, of course, the stores were closed for a really long time. And so stores like Pottery Barn Kids are not launching new brands to them. In store anymore. You are going right wow. online. Really, until COVID, um, until until COVID, till the supply chain crisis, till everything really is over, and everyone's open and operating it at hundred percent full steam. So for us, we have three really great giftable. Um, mealtime kits for babies up on Pottery Barn Kids. And they sell out every time we release new inventory, they sell out within three days. And now we roll in from the COVID issues to the supply chain crisis. I don't have enough of um, so each kit has multiple elements. So maybe we have our blenders, but maybe we don't have our tough glass baby food jars, which (sighs) we don't. Um, So we can only really replenish because you kind of have to kind of spread yourself a little bit thin so that you can continue to provide product to each of your retailers. So we're doing super, super well on Pottery Barn Kids, but we could be selling 10x more if we had the inventory.
0: Right. Oh my gosh. Okay. So like, again, like you're saying, like us and, you know, when I do my segment with the NFL thread, um, I always say like the layman, because I'm not in the NFL, but I'm like asking, you know, these guys um, questions. Right. But so that brings me again to like being like a layman and I hate that word, but like not knowing about supply chain, right. Just being in the general public and not knowing right. it. So what you're saying is you have these kits. And so when it's the, the like the where the like the glass jars or the, right. the blender or like pieces to the blender and that's because they're not being manufactured or they are they being manufactured and then they're just being stuck, like and not getting so- not getting delivered.
1: Oh, it's a whole mix of things. I mean, for example, the kit um, has, let's say it has a blender, which comes from one factory. It has the glass jars, which comes from another factory. It has the steamer basket, which comes from another factory. So everything, you know, just arrives in our warehouse. Our team assembles the kits and they go, and then it would go to Pottery Barn Kids or, you know, various items go to Target or Walmart or Amazon or or, or anywhere we're available. But the problem is... Um, since COVID, consumer demand, we've all been home and everyone's clicking away. And it's a good thing ultimately, but the supply chain can't keep up. So think of it this way, like we order our blenders, you know, the factory has to make them, right. the factory has to get their raw materials from their suppliers, um, then they make our blenders, then our blenders have to get on transportation, which is a whole other thing. And then they go across the ocean, then they get into a port, which is like landing an airplane in a, in a an airport, you know, there's only right. so many gates, and then it goes to a holding terminal, then a trucker comes and brings the goods to our warehouse. So it's really, it starts from the raw materials. And right now, every single link in the chain is broken. Um, and it's really threefold. I mean, you have the issue of huge consumer demand. Again, thinking of it like airplanes, right? An airport only has so many gates. So if there are um, 1000 planes in the sky, and there's only 65 gates, that's we're going to have a lot of people circling and waiting and waiting and waiting. Right. That's kind of part of where we are right now when you turn on the TV and you see these huge cargo ships just waiting in the ocean, that's because there's not enough slips in the in the port for them to get into because the demand is so huge. Um then once they get into port, the ports are not open 24-7, which they never were and never needed to be. Um, And even if they are there's not enough workers. The ports aren't optimized for this kind of business. There's not enough workers and there is a huge lack of truck drivers to then get the goods to um to our warehouse a quick example normally we would order our blenders they would be manufactured in 30 to 40 days then they're 32 days on the water you know three or four days going through customs and then it hops in a truck and it comes to us now they're on the water for eight to 12 weeks so they're wow. way longer um Scarcity is jacking the prices up. So whereas it used to cost twenty to twenty-two thousand dollars to bring, excuse me, whereas it used to cost four to five thousand dollars to bring in a container, it now costs twenty to twenty-two thousand dollars, and everything is late. So that's why consumers are starting to see the prices just skyrocket. There's just so much, and then there's Trump import taxes as well, like which people don't it's it's it doesn't even matter it, and it doesn't even matter where you are politically because the taxes are there for example the container we just brought in it should have cost us 1500 bucks taxes so now not only was those 1500 bucks but because of what trump um implemented it's another four thousand six hundred dollars on top of it so that's a lot of money so then it's over six thousand dollars plus your twenty thousand dollar vessel charge Companies can't make money. We can barely break even. And that's why this holiday season, starting now, you're starting to see prices rise because prices are being raised on us. Everything from raw materials to vessel charges to the whole scarcity situation where the, the shipping companies are just jacking up prices. The largest shipping company made more in Q1 of this year than all seven years combined. Um, it, what? You know, so That's insane. It's exactly. And I don't know. Who can step in and fix it? I mean, keeping the ports open. Um, I mean, Biden is only talking about the port of LA and that's great and a good step in the right direction. But what about all the East Coast ports? What about Miami and New York and New Jersey? And, and like, we're all busy and we're all backed up. Right. There's not enough workers. Um, I'm not sure how it's gonna get fixed, but we're in a situation now where, you know, we've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars bordering on a million dollars in revenue um, because right. of the supply chain issue. And that's a lot of money. I mean, we see these orders coming in and we can't fill them because we don't have the product. I'm still, we're, what is it? October 16th or 15th or 16th. I'm still waiting on a container of our top seller that shipped August 2nd.
0: Oh my gosh. And that sit- it. Is it, is that sitting in the port?
1: It came into port October 6th. It wasn't even unloaded until October 10th. Then it gets transferred over into the terminal, into kind of the third party uh, purgatory <laughs> for the the products to go through customs, um, and then they wait for a trucker. So right. I mean, it's it was unloaded on the tenth, and we're still waiting for a delivery date. And we had to we couldn't ship anything last week of our top sellers. I mean, it's a lot of revenue lost. Um, a people lot. Might say, "Well, why don't you make stuff in the USA?" and we do. We, we make our plastic jars in the USA. A lot of our packaging is in the USA. But instead of the usual six-week lead time, it's a six-month lead time. So every single link in the chain is broken. Is broken. Is broken. And consumers are going to see empty shelves, hugely raised prices, and just scarcity.
0: That's crazy. Okay. So if you can also, because how long have you been doing, just for my listeners to hear, how long have you had Sage Spoonfuls?
1: So we've been in business for nine years. I mean, we've been doing this for a long time, and I have never seen anything like this in my life. Um, Being a smaller company, I think, at least from my perspective, is maybe a little bit better in a situation like this because we don't have tremendous overhead, um, so we can be a little more nimble. I mean, it's gotten to the point where I'm driving U-Hauls because I happen to personally be closest to like the plastic jar factory, which is in upstate New York. And I'm sort of between there and our warehouse, but the rest of our team is in Florida and California and all over the place. So there's no trucker, so I'll do it. Like I'm literally getting ready to rent like a 25 foot U-Haul in 10 days to go up to pick up 50,000 jars me, myself, just because there's no trucker to bring them. And we have orders piled up with delivery deadlines. And so if I don't do it, who's going to do it? And we're going to lose out on another $100,000 order. I mean, it's so we can be a little more nimble. But it's, it's, it's backbreaking. And we've been dealing with it for six months already. And people are only just now really starting to understand the supply chain, because it's a very involved, um, process that definitely the general public would not be aware of or even care about unless you're like, well, unless it why affects is there them. nothing? Where's right? my stuff? Where's my stuff at Target? The shelves are empty. Why? Well, this is why.
0: Right. And as you said, you know, we have some, uh, Shelby who, um, is the founder of Key Socks, which is also, mm. you can actually listen to that episode too. And then we have Gina and Jimmy. So like I, again, didn't know, you know, I knew I kept hearing supply, to, you know, and I was like, well, what does this mean? And on Wednesday, I actually have the founder of a company called Sugared and Bronzed. And when I talked to her, she was talking about this and I was like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I have someone else coming on talking about this because they're the same, they're a smaller company, but they're just trying to keep afloat, right? They, they got shut down during COVID. Right. So they have actual stores. So like, that's what you guys are trying to do. So can you take us a little bit into like, when when you do the order, like you're probably also sometimes like, I, I'm going to take this order, but are they going to be able to fill it? Are you turning away orders? Because you know they're not going to be able to fill it, or you're like, no, let's try to keep keep moving forward and not taking too many steps back. If that makes it's, sense,
1: it's both. It's a fine line. It's a dance because um, we're very lucky, especially during COVID times. Sage Spoonfuls has a really strong e-commerce footprint, so we're really lucky that we're already there and we did not have the additional stress and and and, and issues of having to deal with physical stores. So I am very grateful for that. Right, um, but Amazon, for example, they place their orders with us Monday mornings and like they need to be out the door and picked up by Friday. And like you need to accept or reject the order, you know. And if you accept it and then you can't fill it, they hit you with deductions, like thousands uh. of dollars in deductions. Um, uh, Target, I mean, they're ordering the orders are through the roof, but we can't, we can only maybe maybe out of the nine items that they order maybe we can fill three things we just had a brand new account place a really large beautiful opening order that they wanted in their warehouse by october 20th of the 13 items they ordered we had four so they pushed the um you have to communicate i mean communication is everything so you communicate with your buyers so we communicated with them that we'll have it on we'll have you know nine items on this day and then the remaining four items on you know two you know eight weeks from now but like then you're missing all that revenue so instead of getting all that revenue in november it's we won't get it until january i mean it's just everyone's going through it you just have to communicate um it's just as frustrating for the buyers because they want to fill their stores with things for the holidays or just things just restocking normal everyday things and every link in the chain is broken. So we're all just trying to work together. I've actually never seen, at least from my perspective and the people I work with, s- so much humanity brought back into business. I mean, That's the right. factories okay. are trying to work with us. I mean, they're they, they, they letting us know where things are on there and um, it's tough, it's tough. And I feel like I've been more creative now than I ever have before in my life.
0: Right. I mean and again what because we talked about this in, you know, our other episode is that there's everything happens for a reason, right? And there's going to be a learning, like you're going to learn something on the on the back end, but it's like what is that? What am I going to learn? Let's just get this up and going because as you said, yeah. I mean, so like Target, when they're trying to get their stuff and you're like, I mean, at least they understand, right? At least it's not like a, not affecting them. Like, So they see, okay, we have to be patient and, and like these guys are trying to get us what they want. Go ahead. I, I know you have something to say there.
1: Well, it's hard because for example, last week they placed a really big order for our top seller and we couldn't fill any of it because that stupid container is still <laughs> right. not there. Um that order doesn't nest that same beautiful, large order doesn't always roll over into the next week because we just got our orders mm. this morning and it's, and we will have the product. Um, I think it's coming tomorrow, or Wednesday, finally to ship, but the order is half the size it was last week. So there it's all an algorithm and everyone understands, but I mean, you're, it's still really, it still really hits you. It just hits you a lot because we're, we're, we, as companies are paying again Small, medium, and large—we're paying five x what we should be to bring these products in, and yet cash flow is so decimated because we are just like the shelves are bare for eight to twelve months at a time on some of your top sellers, and yet then you're hit with these massive costs. I think I saw an interview with the CEO of Balsam Fir—they do those beautiful um, artificial trees—they're raising their prices this year by thirty percent, and even then, it's just to attempt to break even because the shipping costs. (laughs) It's just like so when consumers see prices rising, I really I just want everyone to understand this is just so companies across the board can even just stay on, in business.
0: Right. It's not that they're trying to make an extra it's buck. It's not that it's... they're trying to make
1: an extra buck, they're trying just to break even. Think about it. It should cost four to five thousand dollars to bring in a container. It's now costing twenty to twenty two thousand. That's an oh, enormous difference.
0: Huge difference.
1: The trucking is a thousand dollars just to bring my jars from from New Jersey to New Jersey.
0: <laughs> I right.
1: Mean, it's crazy.
0: That's crazy. And also, so like, you know, I'm thinking about like the entrepreneurs that list that's listening to this, right? That's just started or they've like, you know, they started during COVID because so many people came out of COVID with great products, right? Or great right. ideas or whatever. Right what do you say to them? I mean, like right now, like what do you say to them? Because are they going to be able to stay afloat? Like it really depends, right? It really depends on- It
1: really, really depends. Um, Inventory planning is so hard anyway, because orders are fluid. You know, um, one week it could be a thousand units of your top seller. The next week it could be 10 units of your best seller. You never know. I mean, look, getting as much made in the USA is great for everybody. And um, while you're still going to face- longer lead times, you're not going to have to deal with the Trump import taxes or huge monster vessel charges. I mean, so there are not that many factories in the U S people don't understand, like I would make so much in this country if it, if it existed, I mean, there's a plastic star factory that's amazing. And so we have our, our cute little, um, our cute little baby food jars. These are made in the USA, but it's difficult to find stuff. So for entrepreneurs wanting to start. physical product-based businesses, I would really um, take a look at margins and pricing and try to make as much in the U.S. as possible. And for those, you know, for people who've already started and have started with factories abroad, um, you have to just take another look at your margins. And you may need to increase the MSRP and the wholesale, you know, a little bit to cover your costs or think about launching maybe a couple of new products. Maybe it's a different version of something that your consumers really love for kind of like a short time and maybe it's a different pricing so that it works for you. I mean, there are so many of our products that we're barely breaking even on now because of the rise in uh, raw material costs. Trump import taxes, vessel charges. I mean, we've had to be very nimble and kind of like put some stuff on hold and tell our retailers, okay, these things are going to be available because we're not going to lose money on stuff.
0: Right so you you have to and as you said you have been more creative than you ever have because mm-hmm. you need to kind of adjust and the other thing that you said is which I think is so important is like you're willing to get your hands dirty you're getting that u-haul and you're getting mm-hmm. the stuff you can't wait on others you have to kind of make the effort yourself if it's if yes. if it's needed and that's important so when you so explain how many and I'm sure it might be too many lines but like how many lines i know when you first started right you had your your main your main um like a baby food, food kit,
1: first. yes. Yeah, yeah, baby
0: food kit. So take us a little bit through where, okay, from day one, you know, and again, if you guys have not listened to Liza's whole story, when she launched, what was it, six months in, Liza, you were actually, or three months, you were picked we up were by Bye Bye Baby?
1: Uh, uh, <clears throat> bye Bye Baby nationwide, five months out. Um,
0: right. Which is, which is crazy. I mean,
1: really, it isn't actually, I don't, that does... I don't recommend it. I don't recommend doing that as a new company right. at all, because right. you need to have boots on the ground to make sure that everything is displayed properly in the stores. You need to have the proper sales team to handle it, which we did not. These guys were total, you know, shysters and it was just a hot mess (laughs) and um you need to have the marketing budget you know what i'm saying you need to really know what you're doing so while that was super cool i would not recommend it i would recommend like being around slightly longer before you start tackling the big box stores (laughs) but i mean it's it's we we have a wonderful relationship with them and we're doing very well i mean all these years later we're still there but we do laugh about being the only brand like ever with bye bye baby to, to to just like doing a nationwide full chain store test five months old i mean it's crazy it's
0: It's crazy crazy. and i know like shelby and and you know jimmy i don't know your background or daniel but um uh, shelby and gina i know right now they're going uh uh-huh like shelby is totally going oh my gosh that must have been insane so you had that initial kit and then from there how many like i know you're in target and other other places how many other um versions of that kit have you come out I mean I know you have the pouches now you have the and the plates I mean so you might have so much yeah
1: yeah we now have about 50 SKUs about 50 items we started with um three kind of do-it-yourself homemade baby food kits but we very quickly learned and you get this wonderful feedback from your customers and it's always so important to be open to to feedback um Because you have to learn from your customers and you just learn as you go. You know, you, you build the plane as you're flying it. Right. Um, right. (laughs) So, you know, we, we, we still offered kits, but then we kind of broke things apart. Like you can buy the blender on, on its own or various glass jars, plastic jars, you know, and now we have like all these adorable plates and we have so many things, really a full complete, (laughs) a full complete line um, for babies, toddlers, big kids, for families. Um, We have, um, even in this crisis, we continue to launch into amazing new accounts. Um, and we have so many new products um, set to launch. I'm pushing it. I'm pushing it into Q1 of next year because we have enough to handle right now. <laughs> so, um, right. you know, I just want to like, right, have enough of our top sellers on hand and stop losing all these orders.
0: Right, right, which is amazing, though. I mean, it is a great space to be that you're growing, but how frustrating that you can't get the supplies to, to to fulfill it. I mean,
1: it's super frustrating, and it really, like, I have shed a tear. I have- I was
0: gonna say, yeah.
1: It's, well, and also, like, there's nothing you can do really. You can only do what you can do. I cannot swim out into the ocean and get the stuff <laughs> off the container. I can drive a U-Haul and go pick it up once it's available, but I can't. You know I can't. I can't do anything else. So it's just like at some point you throw your hands up. You do what you can do. You say to yourself and your team, "Okay, what can we sell? What do right. we have in our warehouse right now?" And let's just, you know, let's just drive the ads and the marketing towards that. The 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 decimation of the margins that's really hard because once you have products that are like have been in the marketplace for a while it's very hard to you know jack up the price I mean I hear that like bacon now is like 2x what it used to be because (laughs) it's just like it's just it's hard to raise prices on things that there already were but we're trying to just like put different kits together you know so it's at a fair price for the consumer but Maybe we're blending a really high margin item with a lower margin item to make it more worthwhile and help us get through this time and really be right. creative. Um, because having to pay $22,000 to bring in a container that you've been waiting for 12 weeks for and lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue on because you don't have it, it's like...
0: Well, and also, as you said, it used to cost you 5000 yeah right? you're paying
1: a pre- you're paying this like 5x premium Ugh. for like literally the worst situation ever. It's just um, right now well, it's that, about survival. Yeah. You know, it's about survival, but you know, we are managing to grow, to grow in the chaos as well.
0: Right. Which is, I mean, it's also just a testament to your product, right? I mean, that it is you, and this is what I loved about how you created Sage uh, sage Spoonfuls. And again, guys, you can go back and listen to episode 105. You can find it in any of your podcast players. And the podcast is Your Next Stop, or you can go to my website, which is Um, But the thing that I loved so much is you created Sage Spoonfuls out of need, right? Need for your family. And then what mm-hmm. it is, and, and each, again, the story is so cool because each child, Eliza has four children, each child came up with like a new part of the the business. And the fact that you are still here after nine years, but you're growing and you're growing more your products are amazing, right? I mean, and people Thank and the you. customers need them. And that's what's like so beautiful. And so to be in this situation where, I mean, ha, do you would you say this is the biggest obstacle that you have faced since starting Sage Spoonfuls?
1: Absolutely. I mean, as an entrepreneur, um, there's always so many obstacles, there's obstacles every day. Right. <clears throat> but this is like a global crisis, you know, so when you can't get your product, what are you going to do? You know, when you don't have the goods to sell, but the bills aren't stopping, that's very, very difficult to manage. Um, I'm so proud of my team and of myself. We have really managed to grow um, in this crazy time because during COVID, you know, COVID I have found for companies was either feast or famine. It was either like a boom time or just like, horrible. And for us, it was a huge boom because families were staying home and they were making, I mean, for a long time, a really long time and really more inclined to make food for their kids and their families than to go out and buy it because everyone was staying home. So we saw like a 300% spike in sales, which was great. So we kind of got away okay in the COVID time but now the supply chain crisis. There's no way to avoid it, and we're growing. We're taking on big new accounts, and look to be positive. The buyers understand. You know, hopefully, the consumer is learning more about how this all works and is and is being more patient. I just think that for any entrepreneur, any business owner who has a physical um, product business, you have to. You can't. I mean, if you if if you only have a limited amount of inventory, you. You have to keep shipping to everyone, so maybe you're shipping seventy percent of the order or fifty percent of the order, but you don't want to turn anyone off, you know, because you will lose the account. I mean, you you do have to kind of it it is a fine line, it is a dance. Yeah. So, like with Pottery Barn Kids, like we should be shipping them a hundred kits a month, and I can't do it. I can't. I just don't have it, you know. So we're like ten here. 12 there we put them up you know we load them back into the inventory feed and I see it there potterybarnkids.com you search sage spoonfuls there are three beautiful kits and then they're down three days later because it, it sells out eight but you're like oh, <laughs> like oh it's like we're growing but we're dying and we're growing and we're dying you're just like I don't know but, but that's gotta the, other- see the humor in it too I guess I don't know
0: I mean that you do, but I mean that is, you know, having to deal with it day in and day out. I mean, that is really, really stressful. And as you said, during COVID is when you landed. I mean, I love that story. And I'm just gonna tell a little bit. And if you guys wanna go listen, you know where to go to listen but that you you know had to do the zoom with pottery barn and they were on your bucket list right that was like oh my one gosh of your i did my
1: pitch meeting ever yeah. since i launched sage spoonfuls like 8 years ago i mean the product line is so beautiful and so ideal for pottery barn kids right and perfect I was like, gosh oh that would be that it was like my dream account dream account then it was the it was the summer it was the summer of 2020 early in the summer so like march it was when everything shut down it was like june yeah i got an email from pottery barn kids they came to me I was like, oh my god <laughs> right. oh my god how am i gonna make this work and so i was like this is gonna be a zoom pitch to my dream account and i'm i'm just gonna do it from a corner of my office i set up a little table with my stuff <laughs> i was i didn't want anyone else in the zoom because you don't want you know you see all these people in the grid and you're looking around i was like i just wanted to be like right. myself well. and the buyer like only focused on the products, but I was so excited. I was knocking the products off the table (laughs) and you know, it worked out. If they want you, they want you, you know, (laughs) it doesn't matter if you're knocking your jars down off. It's like, you just do the best you can just have great lighting and I don't know.
0: Well, and that's what we talked about. I think you even said you like shoved, which I totally always laugh because when, when, you know, before I do any interview, I do the same thing. I'm like, okay, what's behind me? What's behind me? Yes. What's (laughs) behind me? Yes, definitely. So. (laughs) And you you shove things out of the way and you're like, okay, it's not, it's not in the view. Um, But the fact that you, I mean, again, it's so. It's so beautiful and then so frustrating, right? You landed your dream account during Mm -hmm. COVID, which was crazy hard for anyone, right? Mm -hmm. So it was like, oh my God, this is a huge thing. You presented by yourself and then you have what they want and you can't get it to them and you can only get certain things to them, right? So because it's what you said, they usually want 100 a week and you're doing... Well,
1: we basically we are we just like upload everything is electronic data interface, which is great, you know, so it's like the computer just says, hey, we want all these or we want all those like, we just like tell them how much we have and you load it up into the system. So we would be doing like a 100 units of each kid each 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 week or something, but like, we only have 10. Right And like now, if you go to potterybarnkids.com, you may only see just one kit because we're sold out of the other two. And I think we only have two left of the other one. I'm dropping off like seven kits. We're like down to the end of... um, our line, like we're totally sold out of our tough glass jars. They were supposed to come in our warehouse October fourteenth. Mm. As you can hear, and Liza, now I,
0: I yeah I forgot to tell you to do do not disturb. I, know, I forgot I'm to sorry. tell you that. I'm I should so have thought with all this. No, don't. but so we were supposed no, to but get it our, shows how busy yeah, you are.
1: It, we were supposed to get our jars October fourteenth that go in the Pottery Barn kid, kids kids kits, and now it's delayed till December first. I have been December purchasing our up. own jars off of Amazon and through our other retailers, so I can put them in the Pottery Barn kids kits. Oh
0: my god! Talk about losing money.
1: You just right. you just want to you want to keep the account. You want to keep the customers happy. I, I can't not ship anything for two months to them.
0: Right, and as you said, you're being more creative than you ever have. Yeah. So, has there and you might not be able to tell me this, but has there been like three different retailers that want the same product, but you don't have enough, and you had to pick one retailer over another?
1: No, I, well yes, that pe- people do want the same product because they want your handful of best sellers. Um, but I always want to ship everybody. Um, but every retailer has different rules. With Amazon, if you accept an order and you sh- and you don't ship at least 80% of it, um, you get hammered with deductions. So, you know, you knowing that there's that, yeah. you know, you you always have to kind of deal with that. Um, But you just want to keep everyone happy and keep the communication um, going. And I mean, I always want to ship as much for Target as possible and Bye Bye Baby and Pottery Barn Kids. And um, everyone's being really understanding where there's nothing anyone can do. You know,
0: we're all doing the best we can. Right, I mean, thank goodness, thank goodness, you don't have that buyer that's like, "Come on, you got to do it." And you're like, "Listen, I'm driving, I'm renting a U-Haul, I'm purchasing my own stuff off of you know, of Amazon to get this stuff to you." So, I mean, it sounds like everyone. Really it's
1: not like it's just us going through it because they're hearing it from 100 percent of the companies that they are um, that they're working with. I mean, but what I have learned through this crazy time is to, whenever possible, order really order more inventory than you normally would order more backup. I mean, and it's difficult for small companies because it costs a lot now to bring it in. But I'm, I mean, I'm seeing firsthand, like what's worse, like spending $22,000 to bring in a container or having nothing to sell. Right. So we're now starting to order four months worth of product, five months worth of product. So, um, cause so we're
0: just, we're covered. You covered um, okay. So that so that is you actually brought up a really good point there. So you're you've learned that you need to order more, whether even though you're spending more upfront, at least you'll have the product to be able to make the money on the back end.
1: Yeah, I mean, and your margin is going to be less, but at least you'll have product to sell. Um, there's also secondary suppliers. You know, um, I've been able to go to some secondary suppliers um, who may have inventory to help kind of fill the gaps. Um, but I have a new order cadence, you know, I've thought a lot about this. And so for me, um, and for us at Sage Spoonfuls, what we decided, because I don't want to bring in 20,000 units of every single thing and have four months just sitting there because that vessel bill, that'd be like 40 <laughs> grand to bring it in. That's, that's right. crazy. So what I've decided to do is, okay, I place the order with the factory. The minute that order gets on the boat, I'm placing another order. So Got then it. there's always something in production on the water and landing. That's right. what I'm doing now. So, so it's just, there's always something. Cause right, the way we used to do things was we would order a whole bunch, you know, it would come and, uh, our, our, you know, inventory system would send off an alarm. Oh, you only have 2000 left of this place. Another order. Right. But now it's like that doesn't work anymore. So now right. we're doing this three-step, always something in production, always something um, on the water, and always something landing. That's yeah, and see how want, it
0: goes. <laughs> right. And, you know, I wonder what is going to come out of what product, what invention, what something is going to come out of this you know, again, this crisis for you guys, you know, and not just for you, but for anyone else. Like, I wonder, I always love to see the positive, right? That's, that, that is something that everyone that watches my show, everyone that knows me knows that I always need to see the positive because if there's not a positive thing, like, you know, I just, I don't like that. (laughs) So I always want to see the positive of it. So I'm just, you know, in four or five months when this hopefully clears up, hopefully sooner, I would love for it to be like, okay, you know, Here's what we learned, and here is what has gotten better and stronger. And you know that this tax is gone, or this is gone, or here's where you know we've all benefited even more because of the struggle that we just had to handle and just had to endure.
1: This is a tough one to see positive, and I, I the positive I take from it is getting a better order cadence. Unfortunately, this is such a very huge global issue that this is we're we're looking at we're looking at it lasting another year, 100%. This is not going to be over in four months. This is the, the level of backup. It's, it's a very big, big problem. And it's going to take, take till Q3, Q4 of next year if we're lucky. Um, the positive I choose to see is learning more about inventory, learning more about margin management and building in room for error. Um, and the most positive thing is staying alive and growing even through this crisis. You know you're doing something right when you can survive a global economic disaster, which is really what this is. I mean, right. I love to see the positive in things too, but like this Trump import tax is not going away even though he's not president anymore. Like, and it doesn't hurt China in any way? Like it was kind of pitched to the public, it hurts it hurts the American business owner. Um, And my goodness, we would all have things made in the USA if the factories existed. So it is there's so much um, there's so much that needs to be improved. Uh, I don't know who's going to be the miracle politician to come in and fix it. And so much of these private sector companies anyway, that like the government really can't be like, you need to do this. But we shall see something is going to come out of this positive. And for me, it's going to be better order cadence and not being out of stock on anything anymore.
0: Yeah, and, and maybe maybe more factories in the United States, right? Maybe I sure more hope so. Factories and workers for, for the United States people. Maybe that's what it is. But, you know, who knows, as you said. Um,
1: it just but- doesn't exist. Like if I wanted, you know, as a small company, if I want to have our blender made in the U.S., which I would love to, the factory isn't there. You know, it's right. just not there. I, I I looked so hard to find one. I found, I believe, I believe, like back in the day, there was one factory in Florida, but it like only made Wolfgang Puck's stuff for for HSN or something like or QVC or whatever. Like, right? I mean, there's plat. There is a great plastic jar factory um, that we use, but for glass jars, it's really difficult. There's a thousand U.S. based distributors, but where are they getting their goods? They're getting their goods from China. Right. Um, I found this really cool glass factory um, in Arkansas. But then when you dive deeper, <sighs> okay, well, they don't have any closures. They can't put your logo on. They, you got to spend $15,000 for a new mold. Like, it's really hard. Right. I, I really hope that what comes out of it is that more factories will open. That would be really great. That would be really great. There's no reason that more shouldn't be made in America
0: my goodness Right. It re- i mean it really is and again you know this is this is all again i'm going to use the word layman um, but this is all stuff that i don't think about because i don't have to right and i'm not i'm not aware of it so you just really enlightened me and i know you enlightened a lot of people that are listening to this because and especially during the holiday seasons like as liza said we all need to be patient and we Mm -hmm. all need to be understanding when the shelves are empty because that's when all of a sudden the people are going to be like wait what the hell's happening and people are going to start shop early
1: shop now like if you need if you want something and you see it grab it Um, because also now something totally crazy and this is brand new um each one of our factories um not only China-based, like in India, like uh, the Chinese government is actually limiting the electricity to the factories. (laughs) I don't recall off the top of my head the percentage, but they're like, you've used enough electricity now and they're shutting the factories. They're like, they're like cutting their power. What is that doing? Skyrocketing raw material, costs and what do we have to do as a brand you have to recoup the money somewhere so it's just like there's it goes so deep and and then our 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 factory in India he literally just um, emailed me this morning he said because of what's going on in China it's doing x y and z over here and it's just globally like it's this really true global problem that is so many broken chains and um, I'm so happy that the the um, general population and the consumers are learning more about what it takes to make a product because it's the answer is not just oh make it in the USA or oh avoid China because everything is broken all the way around Um, but I do really 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 hope that there's more factories that open in the U.S. um, that small companies can utilize because we're a small company. We can't afford to open a factory and staff a factory and buy machines right. and mold presses and stuff. Like, that's why China, working in China or India or other companies becomes appealing because they have all these companies staffed with workers and the machinery. And you can, as a third party, basically utilize those services. It would be amazing if that existed more in this country. Right. I would love that.
0: Right, right. Oh, my gosh. Well, Liza, I know you are busy and <laughs> you have a couple calls gonna that go you are got to answer. going to book a U-Haul. <laughs> I know, really. Um, and keep us, you know, keep us in the loop. And I just, I thank you again for, you know, coming on YNS Live and Fireside. You know, this is why I love this platform because it is able to get your story out to even more people than just a regular podcast because we can broadcast live in all these different places. It can live, it lives on Fireside. So afterwards we can share it and oh. um, and people can hear about it. Because again, I didn't know all the, di- you know, the in about what you guys are going through. And it's really important that people understand it because there's not a lot we can do, but we do need to be patient and be understanding. And that's, you know, I think in so many parts of America right now, that is what we need to do. Um, So thank you again for joining YNS Live. And, um, you know, would you like to leave the listeners with anything, any last comments, um, any last thoughts?
1: Well, I just want to say thank you, Juliette, I, for having me on my very first Fireside. I yes. always love speaking to you. Um, and if you're interested in learning more about Sage Spoonfuls, you can check us out at sagespoonfuls.com or at sagespoonfuls on Instagram and all the other social media.
0: Yes. Well, guys, and thank you, Shelby and Gina and Daniel for jumping in. I know there was a couple of people in and out. And this is what's really cool, Liza, is after the show is over, we... Um, I get like insights and it's all the other people that shared it that we don't even realize are listening to the story, um, which is, this is what the power of this platform is. And this is why I, um, I absolutely love it. But again, thank you so much. I'm going to bring Mr. weightbot up so we can kind of leave to some music and kind of exit the show. But thank you again, Liza. Thank I so you, appreciate Juliet. it. Talk to you soon. And good luck. Keep us, keep me posted with everything that's happening. I will. You'll, thank you'll you. You'll be in my prayers. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye.